0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business, brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at either hsstaffing.com or fishhookbooks.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me this coming Wednesday at noon, when my guest will be Alan Winnikoff from Sales and Winnikoff Communications. We will be discussing social media marketing. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, www.thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Ann Kamen from the New York Grant Company. We will be discussing diversity in business and economic development. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301. That number again, 805-243-1301. And welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Bruce. Delighted to be back with you. Well, it's my pleasure as always, and for those who have not had the pleasure, please tell us about yourself and your company.
0: Thank you. Uh, Yes, so I'm Ann Kamen. I am CEO and owner-founder of the New York Grant Company, happily based in Lower Manhattan. We have been around for now 14 years. We just celebrated our 14th year a few days ago, and uh, we help... Companies and not-for-profits and entire communities get grants and economic incentives, mostly from the government, and it helps them grow, succeed, hire, train, develop uh, re- and revitalize areas and um, become more energy efficient and sustainable. So we uh, we are very proud of what we do, and we've been doing this work in economic development uh, since our beginning 14 years ago, and that's our sole focus. That's our complete um Mission. We don't do it as an add-on or a loss leader type of service. We crunch through hundreds and hundreds of applications in any given year and um, work with dozens of wonderful businesses, small and large, of all shapes and sizes. And uh, also for entire communities, I'm doing some work now with the, with the with Long Island City in Queens, with the City of New Rochelle, uh, and other places. So it's a it's a real blessing.
1: Everybody knows what a grant is, but give us an idea of what you mean by economic incentives.
0: Yes, so um, suppose you're building a factory, Bruce, um, and you're going to be manufacturing noodles, and you want to build that factory out in uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn. Well, there are many tools that government offers, federal, state, local, county, to make that more affordable for you. So uh, the, the government can provide real estate tax breaks, electricity discounts, um, job-related credits, business income tax credits and deductions, things of that nature to really shave uh, the bottom line and make it more feasible for you to make the investment and hire the people and train the workforce that uh, has to go into building something productive. And that, in turn, is really good for the economy so, for every benefit that's given there's always a an r o i to the government return on investment usually in multiples of you know seven to one or ten to one for every dollar that's given in say a tax break um government typically gets back in economic spending and investment um, you know at least seven to one or ten to one as a return. A lot of people think Thank of you. these things as giveaways, but they really aren't they're um they're me- meant to invest in uh, the economy so that we stay alive and healthy and sustainable, and that our workers are fully employed.
1: I understood. I thank you. Sure. Now our topic again is diversity in business and economic development. Now diversity can mean a few things. First, let's look at employees. Why? What does it mean, and why should you diversify?
0: Well, I think it's a great question and a wonderful topic. Uh, I really believe very passionately about the the importance of having a diverse workforce. It makes common sense. You know, here we are in the middle of New York City, and New York City has 65% minority population. If you want to deal with a clientele in this city, you perforce must have a diverse workforce that represents that population, represents that clientele. Otherwise, you're you're not uh, communicating as best as you can, and, and uh, reflecting that which makes the city of New York particularly very wonderful, which is uh it's a melting pot and it's a it's a place where people come from all walks of life, from all places on the planet to, to start and uh, make a make a go here. So if your workforce reflects that vibrancy and that diversity, I think you have a you have a competitive advantage very practically speaking, uh, and you have certainly a human and social and economic advantage.
1: Absolutely. I always tell career counseling clients to include foreign languages, and some of them will say, well, the language I speak is um, not that uh, well represented. It could be an Indian dialect, for example. That's usually the case. Okay. And I always say, you know, it is opening up a um, a possible market for an employer. So what can it hurt? Of course,
0: yes. And I think especially here um, in New York City and New York State and the tri-state area, we're an international community. So the diversity needs to be reflected. It behooves us to have the capacity to speak in the languages of our um of our clients and our vendors and the people that we interact with on a daily basis, and it's and also as you know well from the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce work that we both do, um, it's all about networking and uh, a, a good tight, well performing network that does the optimum for you means uh, people of all all shapes and sizes and all ages and ranges and genders and uh, you know ethnicities and whatnot. It's a beautiful spectrum here and it's something to celebrate and not shy away from
1: now some people make other people uncomfortable it's just a fact that's not bigotry and this could be anyone from the elderly to religious groups to different races to the disabled even to veterans sure how do you get good employees comfortable with people with whom they've never had any contact? Well, I think it's about
0: creating an atmosphere of openness in a place of employment. You know, I have a a wonderful advantage of having my own business. We have about 15 employees at any given time, full time, and um, they are incredibly diverse. And we we really strive to keep a very open mind and compassionate attitude toward each other, uh, toward our clients, toward our vendors and everybody that we deal with and by having that kind of attitude and that sense of openness i think it, it allows people the freedom to get over any kind of uh oh misgivings or uh misapprehensions maybe wrong assumptions that they've they they carry on the outside when they bring them when those things aren't allowed in a way, in in this atmosphere at work, because we just have such an open and transparent sort of uh, environment, and we strive to make it that way. Doesn't mean that somebody can't express, you know, ooh discomfort, or be honest about maybe some misgivings that they have. In fact, that's also welcome. So by, but we then are able to talk about it and address it, and. Um, get through it so it becomes something of interest frankly When you know when we have somebody coming in from uh... some other part of the world or some other part of the country we had an intern from alabama a few years ago and that was a trip and he was actually from sri lanka uh... but he had a southern accent and you know we learned all, all about auburn alabama we had a uh, remember brandy she was a veteran also from alabama as it turns out and we we learned a lot about veterans uh... through her Work with us, and it was a really great learning experience for everybody because we we learn about things we never knew, and we're exposed to things that were um, were novel and therefore exciting and interesting. It made the work workplace a little more vibrant and more more fun.
1: Absolutely. Now. You're a uh, lawyer by training, so I'm going to let you handle the definition of this. But oh, gosh. how should employers deal with the issue of reasonable accommodation?
0: Well, first, I think if, when in doubt, you know you need to go look up the definition of that, as from a legal standpoint. You know, if somebody is in a um, in a wheelchair, for example, and you need to allow. Um, reasonable accommodation for that, then you need to consult the law and make sure that you are compliant. Uh, Beyond that, I think that you just um, look in a common sense way to what the needs are and reasonably accommodate those needs, whether it's for somebody who can't see well or somebody who can't hear well or for some other reason that it's uh, incumbent upon the employer to make Way for that, and reasonable is the key. It doesn't mean, you know, perfection. It means doing that which is reasonable under the circumstances.
1: What I'm getting at is I'll give you three examples that are actual instances that I've had to deal with. First was a veteran who could not, he had PTSD, and he could not sit with his back to the door. So the place that they were planning on putting him wouldn't work. So he thought that this was going to be a big deal. I called the employer, and he wasn't an executive recruiting candidate for uh, the employer. He was a career counseling client. And I just told him, and the employer laughed and said, hang on a second. And he literally yelled out his door, And he said, our new hire is a veteran. He can't sit with his back to the door. Who's willing to change places? And every hand went up. So it wasn't an issue.
0: But, I mean, calling the person out like that is a bit – that was a bit rude.
1: No, no, no. He called it out to his entire staff. I'm just saying. Okay. But um, I guess it was the atmosphere.
0: Yeah, okay, good. And he was
1: very proud of the fact that nobody had a problem with it.
0: Okay, good.
1: All right, so yeah, no, I, it was a totally um, positive uh, occurrence. Yeah. The second one was uh, an Orthodox Jew who applied for a position that included running programs on weekends. Mhm. And I didn't know she was Orthodox. Mhm. And when I called her up and offered her the job, she said, "Well." Let them know that I'm observant. And it wasn't going to work. It was as simple as that. She was responsible for programs that were going to run on Saturdays. Right. And they weren't going to make any changes.
0: So those are two examples. There was a
1: third... Third one yeah. that I I just lost it, so I can't think of it.
0: I'm but, sorry I interu- interrupted you, not, but not, I was going to say that, that in, in case number two, and I empathize certainly, mm-hmm. and we we try to accommodate to the maximum extent possible religious uh, needs and differences and uh, time off and such for holidays, religious holidays and whatnot, observances. Uh, but in in your case number two, I think since the programs were all were set up for weekend um, use, that it would be an unreasonable accommodation just on account of one employee to change the entire structure of a company's or organization's programs?
1: So my question is, when it is reasonable, but an employee is resentful because it may impact them, how do you communicate? How do you educate? I guess that's what I'm getting at about cultural differences. So
0: you're you're saying that if if an, a request is unreasonable and you need to no, the, explain the, this the,
1: no the the request comes in it's perfectly legitimate mm-hmm. and the employer is willing to, sees it as reasonable. And it's just going to impact somebody that maybe they would have, you know, um, oh. let's use the religious um, example again. Okay, okay. you okay. work every Saturday. You work uh, uh, one Saturday and the next week you work a Sunday. So now you're going to have to work every Saturday and this new hire is going to work every Sunday. And you don't like that. Mm-hmm. You feel that that you are being... Uh, harmed in some way right? because of somebody else's religious beliefs, and you don't like it.
0: Well, I think then there has to be some accommodation to the fellow employees to make sure that there isn't some unfairness there. I mean, you don't want to practice some sort of weird reverse discrimination that where somebody's beliefs or, or needs uh, come before everybody else's, but that everybody is acknowledged and respected, and allowed accommodation um, evenly. I
1: understand. And that, so
0: that means maybe there's a trade-off somewhere. Maybe the person who has to work the Sundays or the Saturdays that the other person can't work, then gets off on Monday, or or some other um, adjustment is made to equalize things and i think all all that also comes with a lot of conversation and communication about how important this is um how it's seen as a priority for the organization and therefore you know all deference will be made but all fairness will be also observed
1: excellent thank you that's where i wanted to go now today in the news You know, it's a big thing about letting students decide which bathroom they want to use, and it's a major issue. (laughs) But it also exists in the workplace. How should it be dealt with, in your opinion?
0: My, My personal belief is that if you identify as a certain gender, then that is where, that's the bathroom you should be using, you know? If you identify as a male, then you should be allowed to use the men's room. you know it's It's really not a sexual thing. It's more about someone's identity.
1: Uh, okay now, I was just thinking of one case that was brought to me where there was a man who wanted to use the women's bathroom. Mm-hmm. And he was given permission, but the women were very uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> and
1: they complained about it. So Wait, there, was, he, was, solution, he, was he
0: identified as a woman? Is he, is he, he,
1: he, he, he self-identified as uh, a woman. Okay. Okay. So he would be dressed as a woman, but biologically he was a man. I see. All right. And they were very uncomfortable. And the women went to... HR, and complained. They said, we don't want this guy in the bathroom. The company decided to make all of the bathrooms unisex. Yeah, there you go. And I thought it was a very interesting rea- uh, response because now, instead of one male using the women's bathroom, all the men could use the women's bathroom. Yeah. And it just, and it did not work. The, it didn't work? The, it didn't work because no. it just made the, the, the problem worse in one respect that now the possibility was instead of one man using it, I don't know how many employees there were, but X number of men would be able to relieve themselves in the same room a, as the women. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to education. Sure. But it also comes down to the law. Yep. So where do you... When does an HR matter become a legal matter?
0: Well, if there's some statute somewhere or ordinance banning, you know, a a man who identifies as a woman going to use a woman's bathroom, then, you know, you're stuck with having to abide or... Uh, disobey the law, I guess, at the risk of getting what, arrested or something. Fine. Is there a law? I'm is there sure, any uh,
1: yes, precedent? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Isn't there,
0: isn't there, not in New York, not that I'm aware of in New York,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but other outside of New York, yeah, This, this hence the debate, right? Yeah. Right now, well, the debate it?
1: is on the federal level. Yeah. Because yeah, so, once there's so, a federal law, it'll yeah. be even throughout yeah. the country but
0: yeah. now we're seeing that in pockets of of the United States there are these laws that are saying no uh, you know if you're if you're gender identifying as x but you're really y then you know you can't use that but it's yeah. it's kind of i hate to say it i don't mean any disrespect but it seems very absurd to me why not? Why not accommodate that person who is identifying specifically? I mean, imagine what they're going through. This is very painful for them, and, and quite an adjustment as well. And it, again, it is not a sexual thing. It's not about having sex in the bathroom. If you'll forgive me, it's about mm. uh, 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 being able to realize that this person is, you know, in fact, a female, and has and should be treated as such and uh you know we'll just have to get over it frankly and i think we're coming a long way as a country uh in that regard in breaking down those barriers they still are very high they still exist a lot of places new york is more liberal than other places in this regard because we have so much diversity to your original questions um and it's just going to take some time and a lot of understanding and people coming out and explaining, you know, what what this all means. It's kind of new, a bit of a new territory for a lot of people, and we need to have a, an open mind and, and understand and an open heart.
1: Understood. Now, just a reminder, you're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Ann Kamen from the New York Grant Company, and we're discussing diversity in business and economic development. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805 243 And please remember, the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Now, some persons Ann, think that they are entitled, in quotation marks, entitled because of their minority status. This comes up all the time. How would you recommend dealing with the entitlement attitude?
0: Well, I think that's also misplaced. So, um, goodness, we have certain rights, uh, of course, human legal rights, uh, moral rights, but entitlement is uh, a very strange word because it could mean that uh, no matter what I am, I need, I must have something because I'm entitled to it. But I think in society we're used to also working for things and earning things on the merits, rather than just being handed something. And there's now, a whole ta- theory about in diversity, about um, and in constitutional law, about the need to promote diversity, but also not pigeonhole people such that uh, now the world sees them as quote being entitled without being meritorious, and that's actually a disadvantage for for minorities in particular. If if the world is perceiving that somebody's getting a uh, an advantage simply because of their minority status, there there that breeds a resentment which actually ends up hurting the person of minority status. So I mean, there's a whole debate ar- around that. But at the same time, I'm 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 looking at the statistics. I study these things, and in terms of diversity, um, in in things like procurement. Of of contracts, you know, where the city of New York gives less than five percent of its contracts to MWBEs, minority and women-owned business enterprises, less than five percent, is just embarrassing when we have sixty-five percent minorities in this city. So um, there's a lot that needs a lot of work that needs to be done. And I'm not and talking about entitlement. I'm talking about burning the right to have to participate in the city's um, you know, $17, $18 billion worth of contracts that they give out every year uh, and being recognized uh, as an MWBE certified and capable of doing, of sharing in that pie.
1: And what's funny is, well, it's not funny, it's a, it's a nice thing. Some groups had been considered in the past to be minorities, they're not anymore. The Jewish community is no longer considered a minority. The right. Italian community is no longer considered a minority. Yeah, i part Irish, I so, you know, there the was Irish, a time in,
0: time in, the, in, the, in the New York City history where the Irish were considered uh, poor and deadbeat and, you know, not worth having here.
1: Yeah, but I'm talking about from the perspective of uh, special rights as sure. a minority group. Mm -hmm. So, I guess there will come a a point where there will be so many women in business that there won't be any special category for women owned businesses.
0: From your mouth to God's ear. Yes. There you go. Right. I was looking at um, a definition that was given, um, apparently, it was in the 2007 survey of business owners by the United States Census in terms of what is now considered a minority-owned business. And here's the list, Uh, and it's in quotes here. Blacks, American Indians, Alaska Natives, Asians, Native Hawaiians, other Pacific Islanders, Hispanics who own 51% more of the equity stock or interest in a business. Uh, It could also mean, and and in the New York State executive law defines it as black persons having origins in any of the black African racial groups, Hispanic persons of Mexican, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Cuban, Central or South American, or either Indian or Hispanic origin regardless of race, Native American or Alaskan Native persons having origins in any of the original peoples of North America. Interesting. And Asian and Pacific Islander persons having origins in any of the Far East countries, Southeast Asia, the Indian subcontinent, or the Pacific Islands. Isn't that something?
1: So Arabs are not a minority group.
0: Not according so, to these Asian definitions. Asian
1: according to the Far East. Now, the Arab countries, everything basically from... Israel and Saudi Arabia, all the way to Japan—that's all Asia. So they said the Far East, which would mean Korea, Japan, China,
0: Southeast Asia,
1: Southeast Asia, Vietnam, India, some India subcontinent, India, Pakistan. Interesting. All right. We've been discussing employees. Let's discuss the economic development part. Why is having a diversified workforce good for a company's bottom line?
0: Well, going back to our original uh, point of conversation, which is that when you're trying to do business in in a diverse community, if you don't truly reflect that community, you're totally at a competitive disadvantage. You know, if Coca-Cola wants to sell... To people from Mexico, you know, they better reflect that culture, the language, the you know, the Zeitgeist, if you will, of, of that culture, in order to make sales. Otherwise, they're going to be left behind. Um, I mean, I I'm a consultant, an economic development consultant, and my clients are from all over the world and of all races, creeds, and proclivities. And uh, if I am able to reflect that diversity in my own staff, then we are much better able to communicate, to understand one another, to uh, get past any kind of perceived differences, to work through problems, and to, uh, you know, relish in the fact that we have similar uh similarities, and differences.
1: On that line, I'm sure it's the same answer. What are your thoughts about diversifying your clientele based on, for lack of a better term, minority status or protected status of the demographic involved?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, we do a lot of work with, um, say, not-for-profit organizations or small businesses who may be minority or women owned. We're very very um much geared toward mentoring say very small businesses that are just getting started owned by MWBEs, minority or women uh entrepreneurs. We we try to provide pro bono services where warranted to to such entrepreneurs to give them a, a leg up and to give them um, consultation where necessary. So it's very much a, a part of our own, uh, the fiber of our own company and has been since day one. And I see that not only as a an economic imperative and the, and the smart and the wise practical thing to do, but also as a moral imperative
1: you know that the mission of my company is to promote the hiring of veterans and when i meet with whether it be within the context of the chamber or i'm in some other uh, forum people will get up and say all the time we want to work with veterans and when i say okay what does that mean well it means they've got something written on their brochure on their website it's like everything today is green It doesn't mean anything anymore.
0: Greenwashing, to call that Greenwashing,
1: exactly. Now, in that vein, is it a good idea for businesses to advertise the fact that they have a diversified staff and a diversified clientele, or does that diminish it? Does it sound like this is just for PR and nothing more?
0: I think as long as the message is conveyed with sincerity and uh genuine conviction it's not just window dressing, then I think it's absolutely appropriate and a and a good thing. I mean I certainly pay attention to it. You have on your tagline, Bruce, as a business that you uh you promote the hiring of veterans. And I like seeing that. Um I I appreciate when folks Express that because it shows that they have, uh, you know, made made a statement in life that this is important.
1: Thank you. And the, my point is, they got to back it up. I back sure. it up.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: So you know, what does it mean? This is what I mean. I want to turn this into an advertisement for me. Um, you know, this is what it means. Oh, okay, that's real. Somebody else says we um, support the hire, we want to build our um, our veterans' workforce. Okay, how many veterans did you hire last year? Yeah, none. Well, we inter- – uh, so, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Right.
0: That's why I'm saying. It's, it needs to be genuine and, and with conviction and truth, right, not just window uh, dressing, not just and aspirational.
1: That, and on that point of agreement – let me ask my final question, which is always what's the best way for people to get in touch?
0: Ah uh, thank you Uh best way is via email at a n n at n y grants that's n y g r a n t s dot com
1: and as always, it's a pleasure.
0: same back to you, Bruce. Very nice to be with you as always, and I look forward to our our next time.
1: I believe we got another couple coming up including one on millennials, which will be fun. Oh, boy. Okay, good. (laughs) All righty. And thank you, and as always, a special thank you to all of our listeners. And I know Anne joins me in wishing everyone a safe and prosperous week.